We ready to roll? Amen. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are bringing men close to yourself. You are teaching us what it truly means to be a man. You are embracing us in love, God. Some of us never knew what it felt like to receive a father's hug, but you're going to give us that, Lord, through your word and through your presence. Father, we thank you just for our open minds and hearts tonight. God, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would lift us, that you would encourage us, that you would establish each and every one of these men. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 I want to kind of piggyback on what my mother-in-law was talking about in there. And uh, any of you that have been around Living Hope the last few weeks, you recognize that this is a monumental time in the length of our church. God is really breaking through in a powerful way. But whenever God breaks through in a powerful way, the enemy simultaneously tries to pull us down from our place of breakthrough. Amen. So I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to Uh, Move forward in your faith and allow God to give you actually enduring faith. That's what we want to talk about tonight. Uh, Before I start, let me ask you a question. Um, Are you a sprinter or a long-distance runner? Wow, nobody said long-distance runner. And you know what? That actually is not surprising to me. Because I remember when I was in grade school, I used to love to play basketball, and my uh, basketball coach told me, you know what, I think it would be good for you if you take track. I think you'll be even faster. You should take track. And so in my mind, when I met the track track coach, he said, what do you... (laughs) My upbringing is coming out. (laughs) When I met the track coach... He asked me, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a sprinter or do you want to do long distance? Sprinter, right away. Sprinter, why? Because I, I want to be fast. I thought it was cool to be fast. And actually, I, didn't, I wasn't really into running for long distance because that's harder. I just want to, you know, get it done real fast, be quick. And everyone can look at me and be like, look how fast he is. I believe that many of us in the spirit have kind of taken that same route. And I believe that our Father wants to help us to endure in our journey. I want to take you to 1 Kings. 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. I'm going to read the story of Elijah. I think it's a really encouraging story, specifically for men, for two reasons. One, because he was a man of great faith. But the second reason is because he was a man of like passions. So that means he... Was, he, he struggled at times, just like many of us. You know, I, I remember Pastor Benjamin shared a while back that sometimes the most powerful things that we can share as preachers is our struggles. Like oftentimes people can relate so much more to our struggles than if every time I get up, I talk about how powerful and how victorious I am. Actually, it can put even more of a distance between you and me. Why? Because then you, become the, you begin to think that I'm the spiritual elite. And you're just the weak, struggling Christian. So a little uh, background before we read this. Uh, Actually, the Lord had commissioned Elijah to present himself before King Ahab to inform him why the land had been under judgment and to advise him to remove the cause of it. If he would do that, then the Lord would promise rain. I want to start at 1 Kings 18, verse number 16. It says, So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him 
And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? (laughs) I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 4,050 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. You know, isn't it funny how when the Lord uses his servant to confront us in our sin, we become very silent. (laughs) Going on, verse 22, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls from us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Typical guy, look what Elijah does. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. Just like a father, just like our father says to us, come here to me. When we put our hearts and our minds and all of our balls in one bag and it fails us, the father says, come here to me. They came to him and he, repl- and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today 
that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil. And also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. I know that was a lot, but I really wanted everyone to get the story. I don't want to take for granted that most of you know it. But the first thing that the prophet did that I really want to highlight is he confronted the thing that was hindering the people from following God. And I want you to think about that. Take a moment. Are you a man that confronts? Elijah, he confronted the thing that was hindering the people from following God. There was a righteous indignation that arose within Elijah. And he was not going to allow one remnant of that source of the people's sin to remain in the land. This is why he summoned the 450 of the prophets of Baal and 400 of Ashtoreth. He was going to cut this thing off from the root. I think for many of us, if we would be honest, we don't like confrontation. I'm going to be honest. I don't like confrontation. But you know what? There is something about when the spirit of the Lord falls on you and you see things that are hindering the people around you that you love, that you care about. There is a righteous indignation that will begin to rise up inside of you and you will not spare the rod. You will take everything. You'll cut everything down. Example. I remember one night I came uh, I came home and my my daughter was having difficulty sleeping. And um, I just thought, you know, she's restless. You know, she's a very excitable child. So eventually she'll calm down and go to sleep. So I went back to sleep. I woke up, when we woke up the next morning, she came into the room just shaking, shaking. She said, Daddy, she said, I don't want to go to sleep at night anymore. I said, why, baby, what's wrong? Because I see people and I hear voices And it's scary. And they say they're going to do things to me and they're going to take me places. And she began to start describing these figures in detail. And me being a man of God, I knew immediately that these were demons. And it shook me to my very core. Because this is my daughter. This is my daughter. And you know what it was? I recognized that there were open doors in my life that allowed her to be attacked. And you know what I had to do? I had to confront it. I had to confront it head on. I couldn't do no 12 step. I can't have my daughter not being able to go to sleep and go to school. So I had to confront these things that were in my life that were open doors. And I love the spirit of Elijah here. He didn't take any prisoners. He said, all of them. Slaughter them all. You know, Saul had an opportunity to be like this. And Saul, he spared some things that still kind of look cool. It didn't really seem like they were that bad. You know, sometimes we, we fall into that trap. Oh, I don't see anything wrong with it. 
It doesn't say so explicitly in the word. So it must not be nothing wrong with it. And these little things will come up and attack us and attack those that we love. And I believe in this season, our father is commissioning us to confront them head on. You know, Pastor Benjamin and Sonny did this actually a couple Sundays ago. They took authority over all sickness, disease, oppression, fear, and disillusionment that were plaguing so many people in the house. Many of you were here. Now, the root of the problem for the children of Israel actually was trust. But it's the same for us today. We can come to the place where we're either going to trust God or we're going to be left to our own resources. Now, our church is experiencing great victory and authority right now, just as Elijah did. And so God is commissioning us, men, men, take authority over these things. Now, God fulfilled his promise to them. They experienced the power of God and the enemy was confronted face to face. We have to do the same thing. First thing I want you to, second thing I want you to understand is that it is not the will of God for you to be oppressed. It is not the will of God for you to be sick. Once he removes these things from us, he then wants to pour out his favor on us. He wants to pour it out on us. Ultimately, God wants us to know that his thoughts toward us are good, just like in Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, oftentimes we sin and we think, well, I'm just struggling. or I'm just weak. But I believe God has taken us to the place where we would confront the root of those issues. Sometimes it's just we just don't trust. We just don't believe. We just don't believe that he has a really good plan for us. And he does. Now, rain for them, uh, it actually manifested God's concern for the life of the people and for the fertility of the land. Like back then, they had to pray fervently for rain. Otherwise, they didn't eat. If the land didn't bring forth crop from rain, the people didn't eat. Now, thankfully, we don't have to live in that dire situation you know, straight of times, but I think sometimes it kind of does us a disservice because we're used to things being so easy to us, so easy for us. I think they had a little something that we lack nowadays, and that was that tenacity to pray and believe and to hold fast until they saw what they prayed for. In Isaiah 1 and 19, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, the children of Israel, they experienced the latter part of that verse. But God's desire was for them to experience the former. Next thing I want to talk about really briefly is. After speaking the promise of God for rain. Elijah, then he had to go pray it through until it manifested in the natural. I think this is where a lot of us lose it. You know, even with the name it and claim it, you know, a lot of that stuff going around, that's like the sprinter mentality. Let me just say it and just believe God is just going to do it. And if it doesn't happen, oh, well, I guess it wasn't God. That's the sprinter mentality. But God wants to take us to the long runner mentality to where we begin to pray and intercede until that thing comes to pass in the natural. It starts in the spirit, but we pray until we see it in the natural. Elijah, what did it say? He said, Elijah in verse number 41, he told Ahab to go eat and drink for there's the sound of heavy rain. He could have just stopped right there. 
I think most of us would have. <laughs> That's what the word of the Lord said. All right, everybody go eat and drink. And I hear the sound of rain, but no. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of, the, of Carmel. Then he bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked, but there was nothing there. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Seven times. There's that tenacity again. Seven times. How many of us pray about anything seven times? Seven times? Maybe one. He prayed about it seven times. And then it says, the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down from and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with crowds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and he tucked his cloak into his belt. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Israel. God answered his prayer, but he prayed it through. He prayed it through. I want to encourage you, pray through. Pray through. God has given us great promises. We've experienced great breakthrough. Some of us got our physical bodies healed. Some of us were struggling with oppression and fear. Some of us had, what, lust issues broken off. Continue to pray through until you see complete healing, complete freedom. Don't take half. Don't take half. God don't have half heal. That's why we tell them when we pray for people in the front, keep moving it. Keep moving it. Is it better now? Why? Because God doesn't have to do anything. If he sets you free, you are free indeed. Second Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Even though God has given us total victory and authority, our work is not done until we hold fast to our amen. You know, amen is not a super deep spiritual word. It just means it is so. We agree. And so whatever it is that God is breaking through in our lives, we agree. And I'm going to hold fast to it. I'm not going to allow anything to take me down from my place of authority. And I, I really want us to get this as men. I don't care how you feel. God has given you authority. Take, don't allow anything to take you down from your place. This is not a feelings walk. It doesn't say we walk by feelings. What does it say? We walk by faith, enduring faith, that even when we take some hits, we keep going. Even when we don't see immediate healing, we keep going and believing. Even when we don't see immediate breakthrough in the finances, we keep giving. Come on. Enduring faith. God has taken us to enduring faith. You know what? I believe many of us are going to be such an example to the people around us because we're going to be deep Christians. We're going to be deep Christians. They're going to be able to look at, now that man, he believes what he says. He puts it into action. So many, so many of us were even afraid to become Christians or have many reasons for stopping back. Why? Because we saw a credibility gap with a lot of the people that were professing Christianity. God, is, that's, that's not going to be said of the men of this house. We're going to have enduring faith. Amen. Last thing I want to finish up with is, you know, what's kind of sad is that as great faith 
an example Elijah showed <laughs> in chapter 18 and chapter 19, he kind of lost it a little bit. In chapter 19, he got a little weary. And this is where I believe many of us are even right now. I know many of you have been saved a number of years. Many of you have broken through great barriers up until this point. But you know what? The enemy is not going to stop attacking. He doesn't stop. He knows he cannot just overpower you. So you know what his plan is? It's to wear you out. He says they don't have endurance. Because actually, the enemy knows he can't beat us. He wants us to beat ourselves. You know the story. Jezebel heard about what Elijah had done. And she put a threat, a hit. She put a hit out on him. And what did Elijah say? He told the Lord, Lord, I've had enough. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. <laughs> One minute he was saying, bring all the prophets here and slaughter all of them. What a mighty victory he, was, he had. Just like our Sunday service. Huh, we can relate. But then the very next day, the enemy just one more threat. God, I can't take it no more. We have to endure when we are tempted to become weary. Second Timothy 2 and 3 says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Man, I love those army commercials. I mean, I'd never be in the army, but man, they're inspiring. You see them coming out of the water, and they're just like at attention. Look like they're ready to take on anything. It's inspiring in the natural. But how much more so should we be? What do we have? He said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So that should be, give us enough to endure, right? You know, the enemy is not going to lay down just because you have victory at church on Sunday. His strategy is to keep attacking us until we get tired of fighting. He attacks our endurance. He knows that he just can't overpower us. You know, I, I thought about this. This is a great example I had growing up. Uh, I don't know if it was jealousy or what, but there was a young man that I grew up with. Actually, uh, not far from here, uh, 55th and Shattuck. And it was these apartment complexes that was like in a, in a uh, square. And so they had this big patch of grass where a lot of us would play kill a man care like a pastor was preaching about. <laughs> and we'd be out there from sun up to sundown. My mom would have to come and drag me home. And so this, this one particular kid, I don't know what it was. Maybe I hit him too hard one time, but man, from that day on, I had to fight him every single day. And I'm not exaggerating. Every single day. And you know what's so bad? Every day I won. Every day I won. But this kid would not give up. I could look in his eyes and I knew that even though he's hurting right now, when he recovers, he's coming back. He's coming back. I remember one time we fought into the laundromat, out of the laundromat, into the grass, back into the laundromat, out of the laundromat. And people around us, like, they would enjoy it. They'd be like, oh, look, he did this. Oh, look, he did that. Me, I'm like, would this thing end already? 
But you know what? That guy, you know what his, his, his uh, strategy was? He knew he couldn't just beat me. He knew he couldn't knock me out. But he figured I could wear him out. I could wear him out. He's going to get tired of swinging. He's going to get tired of slamming. And that's when I'm going to get him. And for many of us in this room, that's the enemy strategy for us. He knows he can't just knock you out. But he said, I can wear him out. He's going to get t- One day he is going to get tired. And when he gets tired, that's when I'm going to make my move. A couple more scriptures and we'll finish. Ephesians 6, it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, you said it, stand firm, stand, keep standing, keep standing on the grace of God. Keep standing, keep standing. I know for many of you feel like, man, is this ever going to be over? I've thought the same thing. I know many times, am I, is it always going to be like this? Is this just my lot in life? Sometimes we even over-spiritualize it. Maybe this is just my thorn in the flesh. It's not your thorn. Let me help you. It's not your thorn. Stand firm. And after you've done everything that you can to stand, then you stand firm on his grace. Galatians 6 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. For some of us, we may have experienced a breakthrough in the area of temptation. We're all men here, so we can keep it real. Now the enemy is attacking your mind, telling you that you are not really free. The word of the Lord to you is in John eight thirty six. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I want to encourage you guys. The enemy, he just wants to wear you out. He wants to tire you out. But our father has already deposited in us everything that we need for life and godliness. So stand on it. You know, honestly, we dishonor God when we come down from our place of authority. Because if you think about it, if God says, I've made you more than a conqueror. And then you say, this is just my lot in life. Whose voice are you believing? Now you are following the, the enemy and you're at God's enemy. I don't know about you, but I want to flip that script. I want to obey God and be the, and be the enemy of the enemy. Don't stop doing good just because your flesh wants to believe a lie. I have to say that because, um, the Lord checked me, you know, I always thought, man, I'm a pretty stable person. I'm not really emotional. Man, the more I started thinking about it, I'm really emotional. Like, wow, I got issues. Because when I feel like doing something, I do it. But when I don't feel like doing something, I don't do it. Even if I know it's the right thing to do. Because I don't feel like doing it. Our feelings get us into trouble, man. We cannot live according to our feelings. We got to walk by faith. Keep doing good and receive your harvest. How many want to receive your harvest? I know I do. So let us allow the Lord to perfect in us 
enduring faith. I know it's not cute. I know it's not flashy, but God wants to give us enduring faith. You know, I said I took track in, tra- in grade school. You know, what's funny when I got to high school, this is what I discovered. The good looking people and the hip people, they ran track and they all were sprinters. But when I looked at the cross country team, it was almost all nerds. A lot of Asians. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm observation, observation, observation. A lot of people who we thought were uncool. You know, you, you, you very rarely walk up to somebody and say, oh, you're on a track team. What do you do? Oh, I run cross country. You don't hear that. So I'm a sprint 100, 100 meters, 200, 200. You really think you're doing something. I believe God wants to make us 800 meters. Take us cross country and, and actually give us the joy where we enjoy it. But we enjoy the journey. You know, being saved is good. It's cool. A lot of guys think it's not. And I believe that God is, again, going to move in our hearts and so radically change us to where people are going to see us. And they'll be like, man, those are some cool guys. Like, I like the guys in that church. They're spiritual. But at the same time, they can relate to me. I believe that's where God wants to take us. They get hit. They get tempted just like I do, but they endure. Is that the kind of man you want to be? So, again, let me just encourage you. Confront whatever it is that the enemy is trying to bring back. Because I already know for many of us, we've already been set free and delivered. So if he's trying to bring it back, you just confront it. And you just speak in faith to it. And you stand firm, and then you endure. You know, I think we have a little time, so what I would like to do, since we're in such small and intimate quarters, if there's something that came to your mind that the Lord wants you to confront, I want you to take a moment and think about that thing. And allow the warrior spirit, that righteous indignation that Elijah felt, allow that to rise in you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead resides inside of you. So we're going to do something bold. We're going to do something courageous today. We are going to pray for one another that we will not draw back, but that we will confront everything that would desire to pull us back from the fullness of all that God has for us. So if you are in bros, I think it would be good if we can do two by twos. And if you have enough faith, share what that thing is and allow your brother to bear your burden and pray the prayer of faith for you.